Hello. Welcome to the Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and this week I'm joined by Alex Bernhardt, Global Head of Sustainability Research. Welcome, Alex, and thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having me. As I hope we're all aware, uh, the COP26 Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, wrapped up recently. And I think it's fair to say the assessments are, are ongoing. And depending whom you speak to, you get perhaps quite divergent views on what was achieved or was not achieved. And I guess I'll really start with that question then, Alex. Is it fair to say that the Glasgow Climate Pact uh, is a gl- case of glass half full or half empty in your view? It's a very good question. I think it you know it comes down to your personal viewpoints. and In some cases, I, I tend to try to be an optimist. So I'll, I'll say glass half, half full, but, um, but certainly there is room for different interpretations. You know, a, a lot of positive things came out of the Glasgow Climate Pact as it's now, now being called, um, you know, progress towards uh, acknowledgement of the need to wind down uh, fossil fuels, uh, both fossil fuel subsidies and, and, and coal um, in, on a global basis. And, and there was a, an increased focus on, on adaptation. And we can talk more about the details of what those specific uh, commitments and, and actions mean. I think there was some general disappointment, though, around the level of ambition expressed by countries through their revised nationally determined contributions or, or NDCs. Uh, still, with, with these revised commitments, we, we still don't quite reach 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is the the ultimate goal uh, of the Paris Agreement. So, still quite a lot a lot more to be done in order to get us to that uh, to that baseline goal. We all know how important a role politics plays in all of this. And actually, one of the criticisms of the summit itself is that it was perhaps too much about politics and not about really addressing the issues around climate change. Uh, in particular, how do you see the role that politics played around the discussion for the phase down of coal? It, but absolutely, what you've said is is correct. Uh, this is a consensus agreement, and it is definitely a political animal in in many respects. And so, uh, getting to consensus does require a lot of uh, politicking. <laughs> I guess we can put it that way. And what was initially included in the draft language of the agreement was actually a commitment. From the countries to phase out coal usage, um, that was watered down towards the end of the negotiations, and, and was I, I understand part of the reason for the the final negotiation or the, rather the final agreement being delayed about 24 hours from the conclusion of the planned conclusion of the of the summit. Um, and and what what happened is that the the term phase out was tr- was converted to phase down in part due to pressure from uh, India and China which are, of course, two of the largest emerging economies in the world that are currently fairly reliant on, on coal usage and expect to use coal uh, for some decades hence in order to encourage their economic development. And, and this is, you know, continues to be a, an area of controversy in the negotiations around COP. The developed economies that are at the table are responsible for historical emissions and have caused um, most of uh, climate change activity to date, whereas the emerging economies uh, like China and India are likely to be responsible for more most future emissions. And so uh, th- there needs to be some uh, some balance struck between the two. And, and it was really, you know, one of the things that I think is positive and is worth mentioning here 
is the, the, the topic of loss and damage. Um, so the, for paying emerging economies for the damages that have been caused by developed economies so far, uh, that's been a, a sort of a, a shibboleth up until now. It's been hard for uh, negotiators to talk about that in a meaningful way, but the, this time it actually became a clear part of the, of the Glasgow Climate Pact and is, is now a, uh, uh, something that's going to be a part of the discussions going forward. So that's definitely a positive a positive outcome, uh, but a lot more needs to be done. Uh, and one of the you know, one of the things that, that I think is worth highlighting here is around climate change adaptation. This is another key sort of north-south uh, negotiation uh, component. Um, back in in 2015, in the Paris Agreement, uh, developed economies committed to a uh, hundred billion dollar annual financing to help emerging economies to uh, adapt to and mitigate climate change, as well as to pay for some loss and damage. Uh, we didn't the the developed economies didn't make that hundred billion dollar goal as of as of Glasgow, and and so you know there was definitely a um, some concern there around uh, around the negotiations about about how to scale up that financing. One of the phrases I read often before the summit was that Glasgow was going to be the last chance or the last best chance to make the changes necessary to avoid unacceptably high levels of global warming, and. Given arguably the level of disappointment that some people feel since, it raises the question, well, you know, is, is it too late and what changes then need to be made and how we perhaps adapt to the temperature rises that we might see in the future? Is that a fair assessment? Well, I, I hope this wasn't the last chance, <laughs> uh, certainly, because, uh, we, as I said, we haven't quite gotten to 1.5 degrees. Uh, what I think all of this does underscore is... We need to continue our focus on on climate mitigation, uh, but we also need to start turning our 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 minds and 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 energies and attention towards climate change adaptation as well. So making sure that our cities and and our our communities are resilient to the forthcoming impacts from from climate change that are already baked into the climate system. You know, based on the IPCC's most recent. Uh, report there, the physical science basis report from the AR6 series. Uh, what we know is that no matter what scenario we model at this point uh, of emissions reduction, we end up at 1.5 degrees of, of aggregate warming uh, globally above pre-industrial averages by say the year 2040. And so even at 1.5 degrees, while, while it's the best case outcome that we can envision at this point, a lot will a lot will change. Um, uh, the one in ten year extreme heat event, for instance, uh, is now going to become a four in ten year extreme heat event, and so uh, there's a lot that needs to be done to adapt our infrastructure, to adapt our, our buildings, to adapt our lived environment to uh, to these kinds of potential uh, potential outcomes uh, on, on a weather system basis, and um, and and therefore I think the 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 climate negotiations around around Glasgow really acknowledged this. There was a commitment to actually double adaptation financing from 2019 levels to 2025, uh, which is great, which would see a significant ramp up in in expenditure around adaptation. Uh, but yeah, it's clear that we, you know, this is not a uh, an either or type of thing. This is a, a both and type of thing. We need we need to spend way more on mitigation and adaptation. And and one other thing that I'll I'll highlight here is that as as the you know, public sector is working to mobilize to meet, say, that $100 billion commitment uh, agreed in Paris, which I mentioned earlier, 
they, they haven't quite made it to that goal. And, and it's clear also that $100 billion in the first instance was supposed to be a down payment, uh, not the final, final needed amount. Uh, what we really need to mobilize here is in the order of trillions of dollars to make sure that we're meeting the sustainable development goals and, and, and adapting uh, to climate and mitigating climate change uh, in line with the Paris Agreement goals. And so uh, what this underscores for me is a, is a clear call to action for private investors to start orienting their, their dollars more so towards climate solutions and to engaging uh, more aggressively with the companies in their portfolios to get them to adopt net zero strategies. Um, and, and then, you know, we can work together alongside public sector in a more effective manner to uh, see 1.5 degrees become a reality. Well, if I could summarize some of the things that Alex has shared with us when I asked him for his assessment of COP26, he says uh, he tries to be an optimist at least and focused on the glass half full aspects of what came out of the summit as opposed to perhaps some of the disappointments. Uh, at least there was, importantly, a recognition of the need to wind down fossil fuels. That said, he was disappointed by the lack of ambition and the commitments that a lot of the governments uh, made at the summit. He acknowledged that politics clearly played a big part in this and pointed out as an example the reduction in the commitment from phasing out of coal usage to just phasing down, but a recognition that this is a consensus agreement and inevitably compromise plays a big part of that. In terms of the lessons that we take into the future, given the disappointment with the efforts that governments have made, it highlights the need for the private sector and in particular investors, us and you, uh, to increase our own efforts to try to not only uh, mitigate the transition that we're seeing, but also to adapt to what is likely to be a warmer future. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. You can also check out our Investors Corner blog. For those listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. My thanks to Alex for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with me as I share with you our investment outlook for 2022. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.